correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello, Steve. And I sound horrible, so you just have to deal with my voice for this week. But here's the deal. We're going to talk some RPGs, but before we get into that, we're going to talk Gamer Nation's Gamer Nation Con. Yeah, Gamer Nation Con is April 4th through the 7th. Oh, I got my That is right. correct. Hey, yes. I did it off the top of my head. That is correct. Uh, <laughs> Plano, Texas, Dallas Games Marathon, same place it was last year. If you listen to the last episode, I talked with GM Chris about the very thing. Kickstarter is live uh, as and we speak. And funded. as we speak, they just announced the hotel block. Yes, so it's $100 a night for the Holiday Inn Express in Dallas Plano North, and that is a fantastic deal. Yeah, yeah, especially considering uh, stuff. Yeah, well, considering it's a Holiday Inn Express alone, because <laughs> they're usually 120 a night normally. Yeah, so, and it's, it's I think he said 1.2 miles from the, the, the site. Oh, so almost within walking distance. Yeah, well, I mean, it's flat there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It is flat there. Like last year, that is definitely walking distance. The weather was absolutely freaking gorgeous last year. Oh, I hope we have nice weather. I'm back in in, uh, more shorts and more (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts. But yeah, I mean, it's just a great time. We'll be there. All sorts of cool people will be there. Looking forward to seeing a bunch of people again, playing a whole bunch of games. Being exhausted. <laughs> yeah, we also want to pimp out that if you hop on the Kickstarter, you can see that we have badges that you can purchase to get into our game. Yeah, I don't know if we have any left. I think we probably do. Last I looked, there were still some available. So if you want to play a game with me and Steve, absolutely hop in on that because we have some cool stuff planned. Well... In the process of being planned. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's planned, planned in our it's world. Just not, it's just not flushed out yet. <laughs> so I pitched an idea at you for our topic for tonight. Uh-huh. Um, and that was basically the concept of asking your players what media they consume to help tailor their experience. So, you know, let's say you sit down at a session zero. You ask your players, hey, you know kind of movies do you like? And they come at you with like, oh, I'm a real fan, a real big fan of spy thrillers and I like James Bond. And okay. So that tells me the type of tone I need to tell. As long as, as long as I can accommodate that, I'm going to shoot to try and tell a, maybe a more spy thriller type game. Now that's assuming that there's a shared media type amongst your players. Mm-hmm. So if everybody likes comedies, and everybody likes the same type of comedies. That makes it really easy. I can tell that type of story because I can go and do the research and be like, oh, enjoy. Maybe we can tailor an experience something towards that. Yeah. Do you have thoughts on this? Well, 
Not directly, other than it ties in with something I was thinking about, uh, actually kind of spurred on by a question that got asked on our Discord this week, and where someone had posted up that they had two players in the upcoming game of theirs that had made characters. That's backstories kind of oh, almost made them incompatible. Okay. And um, it kind of led to this conversation about, you know, I said, look, you know, as I, I chimed in, I said, look, I said, what I would do is, is go to these two players and say, look, you know, because, because the, the person had said as much, you know, in their initial question asking statement or whatever, they liked both character concepts. They thought both character concepts fit well into the world. It's just that, they were really afraid that these two characters would not work well together. I said, so here's my advice. I said, I go get these two players together, tell them, look, I like both of your character concepts. I think they both work really well in the world. However, how can these two characters function together as part of the, the party and basically throw it back at them, which is yeah. in a sense, what you're doing the same thing, just different. You know what I'm saying? But but by doing that, you give the players, they feel ownership in the world. And and we've all been at the table, right? Players will come up with the craziest cockamimi schemes to tie backstories together if they're given the opportunity. Oh, yeah. And, and what's even... And when I say that, yes, yeah, sometimes they'll be just insane stories, but because they came up, they'll make it work. Like, I oh, yeah. participated in a game once. I want to say this was 3-5. I was playing a dwarven barbarian who was dumb as a brick. One of my friends, and it, for whatever reason, this ended up being, it was like a two or three player campaign. So my one friend was playing a Kenku cleric of some kind, I think. Somehow we came up with this crazy idea that the dwarf believed the Kenku was his brother. <laughs> <laughs> And so, like, but, you know, like, because the dwarf was kind of dumb, yeah, basically yeah. we made up some story that, I forget, somehow, you know, like, he had fallen into a river or something and had tried, it, anyhow, the Kenku came out and, you know, he was delirious or something and something about his brother, and the Kenku just started playing along with it. <laughs> or maybe it was an Aarakocra, I don't remember, you know, anyway, bird person, right? Because it makes absolutely right. no logical sense that a dwarf and this thing are in any way related. But we kind of concocted this weird scheme, and it actually made for some fun role-play moments because, obviously, NPCs are like, what are you, on drugs? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's kind of a, an extreme example. But you know, like you're saying, you're, you're asking the players, hey, what type of story do you like? And then you can go and get that. And I guess... The, my kind of line of thinking is sometimes the the quote unquote easy way to GM is to let the players do the work. Oh yeah. Oh, the more I can get my players to tell me what they want, the better it is. But see, that's that's the same thing, right? That's exactly what you're asking for with that. What type of media they consume? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You tell me what you want out of this story, and and that's the thing. And I think that's the funniest thing about my campaign now that I play on Friday nights that I've talked about a lot is that these players are not used to the idea that like, I don't want to say that they're not used to the idea that, that I'm open to anything, but they're not used to having somebody who provides little to no resistance against 
doing the crazy wild thing. Mm -hmm. Like when the idea of jumping on a spell jammer and going out into space was proposed, the players were like, are you going to let us do that? And I'm like, it's your story. It's, it's your adventure. Do you want to do that? If you want to do that, we can do it. Hop on that ship. Let's go. I'll tell you what happens. You tell me how you get there. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, again, that's just maximizing player enjoyment. And in my opinion, if the players are having fun, I'm having fun. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I, I, I am there. I am there to, to provide obstacles. I am there to provide a, a wider overarching story, but the players are there to fill in the nuance. They're there to tell the interpersonal stories. That's not my place as a GM. Yeah. No, GMing is in, in many ways kind of hurting cats. Yep. But yeah, we're going to, we're going to usually those cats will at least be willing to be herded if you coax them the right way. But no, I, I like the idea of, of asking your players what sort of, you know, be it movies, books, TV, or, and I know I've done this, you know, throw out, Hey, I'm thinking something, you know, kind of inspired by and rattle off a handful of movies or books, whatever. Yep. You know, that's also a good way to give them a frame of reference or, you know, and vice versa, right? Like you're saying, you know, have them tell you what they like. And if it's not stuff, the only problem and for me would be that they're happy apt to list off a whole bunch of crap I've never actually seen and don't have time to watch. Well, I mean, relatively easily, let's put it that way. I mean, how hard is it to, if you don't have time to watch something, you can at least take the time to read the synopsis of it. True. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not the, if you can get the tone of whatever they're talking about, you are pretty much set. Mm -hmm. So uh, like, I don't know. I used to be real big into anime. I've fallen out of it as of late. Not out of any sort of disrespect or not caring for it. It's just I have so much other media I consume. I don't have time for anime. Mm-hmm. But if I have a player that comes and sits down at my table and it, all they want to talk about is this new show, I'm going to get into it a little bit and be like, okay, well, what's this new show about? What's the tone? What's the setting? What's the world like? And I may not watch all of it. I may not watch every episode. I may just like peruse what I can. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll watch a YouTube summary of it. Because there's a lot of people out on YouTube that summarize media, whether good or bad. I mean, you can take that as it is. But, you know, if you search up, let's say, uh, say I want Star Wars Explained. I can search that up, find some guy on YouTube that easily explains the entire plot of Star Wars in a quarter of the time it would take for me to watch the entire plot of star Wars. You know what I mean? Like there are ways to not consume media, but consume the content of that media or the tone of that media without, um, without having to take the time to actually consume all of it. By the way, just because connection in Steve's brain, I just watched a movie that I think has what would be a wonderfully fun NPC. What's that? We watched the retirement plan the other night. I have not seen that yet. Okay. So, and no disrespect intended here. It is exactly what you would expect from a not that great Nicolas Cage movie. Oh, it's that's very entertaining. 
I have watched so many of those not that great Nicolas Cage movies recently. He must be back at the tax troubles again, because like I've noticed, he's pumped out a he's pumped out a handful of really good movies. Uh, the incredible weight uh, or the the massive weight of incredible talent is hilarious and fantastic with Pedro Pascal. I'm really excited for that one coming out by A24 where he's in everybody's dreams. He's like like a college professor and he keeps showing up in their dreams. Seems really trippy and weird. But I watched a movie the other day called The Old Way Out and it is so bad, but it was so entertaining watching him play a cowboy. <laughs> I've never seen Nicolas Cage in a Western until I watched this movie and he was fantastic in it. I watched this. I don't remember what that one was called. I watched this other one that was like a Korean drama where he plays a man with a bunch of bombs strapped to him and he has to like do John Wick things. I've watched so many of those movies. It's not even funny. It's, it's not even funny. And like, I don't, like I said, it's like, but he's made a lot of movies that, and even going back throughout his career, he's made a lot of movies that weren't all that good, but they're very entertaining. Yeah. Just side note, but yeah, you can add that to your list of, you know, Nicolas Cage entertainment. Uh, yeah. But he's made some good ones too. Like Lord of War was a really good movie. Oh, Lord of War is such a fantastic movie. Raising Arizona. I mean, Con Air, Snake Eyes, The Rock. He's made some really good movies. Say what you will about Face Off. It's entertaining as hell. You know, uh, Gone in 60 Seconds. We both love that movie. Yeah. I, I think Nicolas Cage is... it. He's one of those guys, when he is on, he is on. And when he is not giving a shit about a role, you can tell. And it is hilarious sometimes. And sometimes he just, like, there was that, oh, knock off Five Nights at Freddy's horror movie he made, Willy's Wonderland, where he didn't say a word the entire time. And it was the most wasted potential. Because the whole point of Nicolas Cage is not that he's this strong brooding type character. He has a unique voice about it. So I I will say this about the retirement plan. I think it also could have been a good role for Keanu Reeves, except he isn't quite old enough to do it yet. Well, I think the thing with Keanu Reeves is that the biggest problem with him right now is he's still the highest paid actor in Hollywood. See, Keanu, like, look, the Matrix movies were good. There was a lot of effects, but Keanu is very good where he's supposed to be kind of clueless. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think, although you know, like I really like John, Wick, John Wick movies. I yeah. haven't, I've only seen one or two of them, I think. That first one is so good. That second one I haven't finished. Um, I need to go back to it, but I like those movies. They're entertaining. They're action schlock. They're a great Sunday afternoon movie. That definitely, I think the retirement plan fits in that. Plus it has, I think, the greatest use of a flare gun ever in a movie. Ooh, I'll have to watch it. I'll add it. I'm about halfway through Killers of the Flower Moon right now. So when I finish that, I'll watch the retirement plan. And I won't hold them to each other's standards. Because <laughs> one is a Martin Scorsese movie, and the other one sounds like an action schlock movie with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. I mean, let's see. Rick Fox is in it. Um, yeah. It, no, it's it's not in a in a cinematic sense. It's not good. Oh, but it's no, very I, entertaining. I don't need... Look, anytime we recommend something, understand that, like, as much as I enjoy the fine arts of film, I love a good, just stupid movie. <laughs> Show me something that's entertaining as all get out. I'm going to have a great time. Okay. 
So while we're on this, it's sort of divergent, but we'll, we'll let's say one of the movies your your players recommend to you, or mention to you, is uh, whatever it's called now, but formerly known as The Professional, Leon. specifically for Gary Oldman. Okay. How do you do that in an RPG? I'm sure you've seen that movie at this point. I, I think have. it's called Leon the Professional now or something like that. Yeah, I think it goes by Leon the Professional. Um, it's hard. I think the biggest thing with that is, boy, I think you almost can't have, it's, it's again goes back to that main character problem. You almost have to do it in a way where that character is an NPC. That's what I'm saying. And like the players can't be that character. Right, right. No, but I'm saying that, you know, like your your players want a bad guy like Gary Oldman's character in the in that movie. Like, I wonder how well does that because so much of of that character happens what would be off character off camera from a player perspective. You would have to move that to either have it where they watch a recording of what happened or they witness it in some way, you would have to do that where it's like they're basically behind a pane of glass and can't get to him. Mm -hmm. And you have to build. Once you've done that, you should be able to effectively translate that character. Well, I say effectively translate the character. You should be able to effectively translate the idea of that character. Mm -hmm. Because part of, the, part of it is that you know, when you see that movie, it happens without character knowledge and is just retold later to the characters of what happens. Yeah. But in a, a RPG, you could, in theory, do that. You could, in theory, have them doing something else and then basically have their handler come to them and be like, look, you got to take care of this guy because he's done X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And that's a that's a great movie. And like, I feel like that's the character he was imitating in like air force one just turned way down. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, uh, cause that movie, I, I just, I love that movie. I mean, even some of the, even like that, that, um, not the absolute final shot, but the, the sequence, um, in the basement of the apartment building. Right. Like that, the way they shot that, with the, the way the camera does the thing, I thought was really, really cool. That's dope. Like, I know you know what I, I'm assuming you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I, I spoil I, it for someone who hasn't seen it. No, I, I agree completely. I think that's one of those movies that you can spoil. And I think that's one of those movies that you really should watch. Yeah. Ben, because I know you haven't seen it. <laughs> I know uh, you ain't seen nothing. Ain't never watched Gremlins, huh? <laughs> calling you out but uh yeah now like i think you're onto something though like try and get clues from your players and i know i've said you know bunches of times you know listen to what your players are asking and that'll a lot of times clue you in on what they want but even better yet just ask them what they want well but in doing it like you're suggesting they don't actually they may not quite catch on that you're actually just asking them what they want which may actually get you a more accurate it's going to get you a more honest answer. Want. It's going to get you a more honest answer. Because sitting down and going, what do you what do you want out of this? Players don't know what they want out of it. I'm going to be completely honest. 
nine times out of 10, even if you ask me, and you know, we're both experienced GMs, so we know how to play the game of like telling your GM what you want out of a campaign. It's hard for me to quantify what I want. I'll have a GM go, Oh, what do you want out of this? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm expect you tell me. And, and the fact of the matter is if I had somebody sit down at a table and go, Oh, I watched this movie the other day and it was fantastic. What'd you think of it? That's a better way of giving me setting an expectation because if it's a mutual shared movie, so, you know, say I watch Reservoir Dogs and I want to tell a heist movie or a heist story and I sit down at the table and I go, what do you guys think of Reservoir Dogs? And half the table goes, oh, I love it. Half the table goes, I've never seen it. Okay. What do you think of The Departed or... um what was the uh, any of those like heist movies, right? Because mm. I don't the think Italian the, Job, the or... Italian Job, or um, what was the? I don't know. I can't think right now. But anyways, yeah. What do you think of X, Y, or Z? And the table goes, "Oh yeah, we love that." Okay, great, fantastic. Tells me that I need to, as a GM, that tells me that I need to cater more towards, or that I can cater more towards that type of movie. Whereas if I sit down at the table and go, what do you think of The Departed? What do you think of the Italian job? And everybody looks at me like I have two heads. I know that I'm not going to tell a heist story. I'm not, or not effectively, at least. Yeah, well. I mean, you, you could. You, you, you could. You can, but they're not as likely to buy into it. Yeah, and that's another thing. It is. It does boil back to player buy-in. The deeper rooted you can get into somebody's interests, the better the buy-in is. Mm-hmm. Which goes to what I was talking about with like the the getting the players to figure out how to make their backgrounds work together. It's, yeah. it's just, it's, it's buy-in. That's all you're actually going for. Right. Oh, but because yeah. they created it, they're bought into it. Well, I was reading, uh, I want to say it was a post on a Reddit thread or something from a, from a newer player who was just astonished at how well their GM had, had like woven in interests to the story and woven in like, narratively and like the interests of the players at the table and and played into all that and i sat there and i read it i was like yeah you know we should really shoot to do that more because it is it's i call things fun party tricks and it is a fun party trick but when you're running a longer form campaign something that isn't just one maybe two sessions you want to you want to try and shoot for like keeping your players as engaged as possible. And to do that, it's best to just like, you know, if you know your players are all into, let's say, thrash metal, and I tell a story that is very metal, very, you know, evocative of thrash, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it, there is like, okay, Hell Knight tells a very thrash metal story, mm -hmm. right? Bikers and demons and and you know craziness mm -hmm. if i tell that type of story to a table that loves that type of music they're gonna be bought in like like nobody's business oh right right you know maybe name a couple npcs you know hinting or not so subtly hinting at you know like yeah, i'm sorry maybe they have an arms dealer his name's lemmy you know whatever or, or like chuck billy yeah whatever <laughs> who by the way there's several members of that band who i think are just enormous men <laughs> like Chuck is a big dude. Like I, I watched, um, he's performing now with a band. Occasionally there was a video I watched on YouTube 
band called Metal Allegiance, which is a thrash metal supergroup. It's actually um, the primary members at this point are Alex Skolnick, who, you know, if you're a thrash metal band, obviously Testament is his, his yeah. biggest thing. Um, Mike Portnoy, who, mm-hmm. amongst other things, is best known for being the drummer for Dream Theater, but is just an amazing drummer in the first place. Um, yeah, but Dream Theater. <laughs> Dave Ellison has done a lot of bass work with it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I put on this video, a concert video there from Rio a few years back. And it's, um, I'm not sure who everyone was off the top of my head, but it was um, Mike, Alex, uh, and then sp- uh, for that concert, splitting vocal duties, they had John Bush and Chuck Billy. Ooh, that's cool. And it just like, Chuck is a big dude. Yeah. And, then this week, for whatever reason, I fell down a YouTube rabbit hole and was watching some stuff with Steve DiGiorgio, the bass player, more recently of Testament. But he's played with a whole ton of people. He also appears to be, you know, a very big individual. <laughs> now, Alex doesn't seem like he's that big. Right. But Eric Peterson's not small. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it, uh, that's funny. But uh, yeah, no, if you can if you can try and and that's why I said media. Because it's not just movies, right? Like, people like things that aren't just movies. People like music. People like books. People like comic books. People like, you know, television. Anything, any bit of media that you consume is something that can play into your tastes or want as a player. I'm a huge fan of the Dresden Files. If I sit down at a table with a GM that is like, oh, Here's the Dresden Files, basically. I'm going to be all aboard it. I'm going to be all about it. And that's a novel series. I mean, yeah, there was a TV show. We don't talk about that. <laughs> but, you know, it's 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 playing into what your players like. Helps with player engagement. Helps with buy-in. Helps with getting your players. And, and restoring some of that magic, right? Like, there is some magic when you sit down and play in a game and the GM is just able to cater to a story that you like, cater to the, the style that you like and, and weave what feels like a personalized story that may not be a personalized story. Yeah. But I think like there's, I think the biggest thing, and I know I didn't realize this for a long time, but I think the magic of RPGs really comes out when it really becomes a give and take at the table. Yes. Like, like it's not just the GM presenting a story for you as a player to go through. It's, and look, I'll, I'll pseudo call out one of the people we play with Monday nights. Eric is absolutely amazing at giving stuff back to the GM. Not that anyone else in that, at that table isn't good at that, but Eric is just really good oh, at that. He's a- He's a dream to have at that table. You know, it, Terry's really good that way too, for that matter, you know, but oh yeah, but Eric in particular is really good at just coming up with these. And I swear half of the stuff he comes up with, it's, it seems like it's right off the cuff, but I'd have to have like a page and a half written to come up with half of the crap he comes up with. I think, I think Eric has a really fun, imaginative look at, at gaming. And I love playing with Eric. 
I do. I love playing with Terry too because Terry has an understanding of character deeply and richly that is just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I'll just I'll just shout out everybody that plays in our Monday night game. I think Ben Ben is fantastic at uh describing scenery and worlds and describing, you know, building these these narratives built around the places. And yeah. and Hagen is hilarious and great at being just a little bit of chaos. Mm-hmm. And and that's not me putting any sort of dig. It's just that he is fantastic at being chaos. <laughs> no, and and he would fully own that. <laughs> uh, um, but but see, that's too though. It's it's right. Like it's but it's the the interplay there that really sets it off. Yeah, it's exactly. that kind of that stew. Yeah, it's it's the it's the stew that brings it all together. Mm-hmm. Oh. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I think, like you said, though, you know, asking about the media, the other thing, it can even, if, if they're giving you these references, and especially for someone like you who is very media literate, I don't know if that's the right word, but you consume a lot of media and dissect it differently than some people do. I mean, yeah, I try. <laughs> well, but if, if, I don't know, we'll just say, I tell you, I like, um, Gone in 60 Seconds, Hunt for Red October, and Forrest Gump. And I'm just literally named three movies off the top of my head that I actually do like, but intentionally trying to go kind of disparate that for you, you might actually be able to suss out the kind of the common thread between them. I don't know if there is one in those that example, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I... uh yeah, I know what you're getting at. Where I I can I can draw pieces together. I guess is what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah, and and that's something anyone can try and do. It just helps if you've got it. it depending on how you consume it and how you, do you just enjoy it? Do you analyze it? Do you you know? I mean, you could right. be like me and overanalyze everything to death. But <laughs> yeah, I think I think my big thing is is. I can overanalyze things, but I try not to. Uh-huh. I can I can delve deep into stuff, but I I acknowledge when something is just nothing and not what you know, not that it has to be something. Mm-hmm. And then I can also acknowledge when something is seems like it's something and could be something. So like there's a movie that exists called um Under the Silver Lake. It is absolutely insane. I've watched it like six times. I know there's something to it. I couldn't tell you what's there. It's it's too deep for even me. Um, but yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. I try to put pieces together on people. I, well, I don't want to say on people. I try to put pieces together in general. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's just how I look at stuff. Again, where where you might see the common some common themes between the six different movies that your five players gave you, you know, to be able to, to kind of figure out how to blend them a little better than, than I might say. Right. And not that that means you're better than I am or, or anything like that. Just, you know, if, if you're really into media, I think that's, that's 
really an exceptional tool to use. Oh, I completely agree. And and I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody else at, at, at doing anything. I just know that that's, I don't know, years of me being weird and and consuming media in my own way. And then talking to my friends about, you know, oh, well, I watched this movie and the movie was about this, but it wasn't really about that. Like mm-hmm. breaking it down and, and, and thinking about things. I don't know. Critical reading was always one of the things that I was like super strong at in school. And for whatever reason, I've just carried that through my entire life. And I think it's because of my ADHD. I think it's because I, I get hyper-focused in on things. And when I'm invested in a movie, I'm invested in that movie. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. Um, but yeah, some food for thought. Um, mm-hmm. And by all means, you know, let the players do as much work for you as you can. Yes. Let your, let your players do your thinking. They like it. <laughs> they love doing that. They, especially when they don't realize it. <laughs> oh, when they don't realize, I mean, when they realize it, they like it. When they don't realize it, they just think you're amazing. Right. You know, that's something I'm, I'm actually hoping I run into some of the crew that I ran Havoc Brigade for at PGX last year. I'm hoping I run into them like next year or something. Because I I don't know if I, I think I told you this. The, the crew that I ended up running Havoc Brigade for was an entire like home gaming group. Like the normal DM and his players. Right. And one of the things I did, because, I mean, it's Havoc Brigade, and you're supposed to do crazy crap, was I started having them make up what happened when one of the other ones did something weird. <laughs> you know, like, like the, the, they're running around the inside of a zoo letting creatures out. Well, you know, in a, their attempt to get away from one thing, they jump over a wall into an enclosure. And so I look across the table from the person and go, What's in the enclosure that he just jumped into? Right. And and the first time they, they kind of like looked at me like, well, 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 wasn't I paying attention to something? You know, like kind of, I'm like, no, no, no. I just, you tell, tell us what's in that enclosure. And then yeah, it was like me. a light went off. And then I just started doing it with random effects. And they were having more fun with that. You know, just essentially being able to complicate their own lives. But because... They were all friends. And I'm just curious if that kind of that light bulb moment has changed how they play at their normal table. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... So if any of you are listening, you know, email us or come to the discord, talk to us, whatever, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Come join us. Come talk to us. Come tell us what it's all about. Um, um, I think with that, let's go ahead and move into game of the week. All right. Woohoo. Game of the week. Game of the week. All right. You got something for us, Steve, or am I going first? I do have something. All right. Uh, this was released yesterday. <laughs> shocker of shockers. It's a game called Notorious Style, and I will link you that because I know it'll go up in the green room. All right. From Colorful Name? Yes. All right. So it is a, uh, you are a graffiti artist with one aim to get up. Use your imagination to take the role of a graffiti artist using buildings, trains, and more as your canvas to be visible and gain notoriety in the graffiti scene. Uh, it's a standalone tabletop RPG with no GM. Looks like, you know, 
looks like single player, but you could probably do this with a couple people. It really seems like a cool little thing. Yeah, it does look neat. But yeah, it just. And I've often wondered how some of those tags get where they are. Oh yeah, some of those, some of those are crazy. I used to be really like, not that I ever wanted to do graffiti because I'm very like safe about what I do, but I used <laughs> to love like learning about graffiti, looking at it, like looking at the different kinds of graffiti. So yeah, cool stuff there. And again, that's notorious style. Cool, cool. Yeah, that looks interesting. So I'm going to go with something I kind of stumbled across. It's pay what you want. And it's a kind of a little, it's not really a one pager because the download is seven pages, but uh, it's, it's a little real light game. Claims it's inspired by like lasers and feelings and no dice, no masters. Um, although it says it's based on a resolution system called Caltrop Core. Anyway, it's a rules page and some pregens is basically what you get. The game is called The Weatherman's Syndicate. And so the premise of this is that there is a band of free yeah, there is a band of freelance meteorologists who share resources and work on publications across the world. They have this skyship, which acts as a mobile hub for the members. But what they really are is like international super spies and information brokers. And like, I don't know. It just feels like it could be a really fun, goofy one shot, which is what it's intended to be. And yeah, let me send you a link before I forget. Yeah, I'd appreciate that. Yeah, because I started talking and forgot. But yeah, it's a narrative first game. Uh, But it just does it like in some ways it seems a little ridiculous, but at the same point, who's going to suspect the weatherman is up to no good. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it, you know, I yeah, mean, very cool. It, and it's like, it's pay what you want. I think it's suggested is like two ninety nine. you know, but still, I mean, it's, it's pay what you want. So it's cheap. I think it'd be good fun. I guess it's designed for a one shot, but I think it's, very, very replayable because it's really, you get a premise and you turn the players loose and we all know they ain't going the same place twice. Right. Exactly. Well, Actually, the cover art is sort of vaguely reminiscent of like spy versus spy in a way. Yeah, it kind of is. I like that. <laughs> Which actually you could play that into this, I suppose. Oh, how fun would that be? But very cool. Very cool. So that's the Weatherman's Syndicate. And yeah. you know, like always, we'll link these in the show notes so you can find them a lot easier, you know, so on and so forth. And with all that being said, we want to remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at Me and Steve RPG Podcast, on Discord at Me and Steve RPGs, and as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You gotta go down the street to the store and buy that. <laughs>